So think of a time that you worked on a task with someone, and as a result of working on that task, you felt closer with them. You felt like you were closer in relationship with this person because of the task that you worked on together. Uh, this week, for example, my, my water heater went out, and so my dad came over and spent most of the day, uh, most of his day off getting a new one installed at my house. And after my dad left, I was just reminded, goodness, I'm so grateful for my dad. <laughs> and uh, um, shared that with a friend, and he said, yeah, you're going to remember that time with your dad uh, more than the hot water heater. And I'm grateful for hot water, but I'm more grateful for the relationship I have with my parents and all the ways that over the years they've done that. And so that hot water heater served as a reminder to something much bigger, right? Uh, the same thing happened. Some of you might be new here, but we've been a church for 17 months now, basically. And uh, before we started worshiping together on Sunday, we worshiped together on Saturday morning. And it's not what you would think of as a typical worship service. It was like uh, hauling trash off. It was fixing gutters on the side of our building that were falling down. It was uh, all the things that I'm just not very good at. Um, but as a result of those projects, we built community. And that was, I, I look back and that was God's plan, God's design, because I was like, yeah, there's all these people kind of coming in and we need to build community among each other. And, and God did it through working side by side together. Um, I've also been a part of community building experiences that the opposite happened. Like, uh, yeah, you can laugh at me for this, so get ready. Uh, I was a basketball player in high school, and Coach thought it was a good idea for all of us to go out and watch a movie together, team bonding experience. Well, I had a really, really short fuse in high school. I got angry really quickly. And so uh, my teammates were being high school teammates and throwing candy around the theater during the movie and... Uh, they knew I had a short fuse. They, they knew they could get under my skin. So, that, you know, I was irritated. And after the, after the movie, one of my, he's, he's still a friend. I texted him this past week. Uh, but one of my teammates came up and, you know, just kept crawling under my skin. And, and I tried to ignore him and he patted me on the cheek. I turned around and slapped him. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't ever do that. Uh, so, Community building experiences only happen when we have in our minds, we will build community. That's what we're going to do. We're not going to use this to divide, but to unite. And so in, in our passage today, we're going to see many people working side by side together. And if you think about your relationships, your friendships, I think you'll see the same common thread that when you do something with someone, whether it's take a class, study, uh, participate in sports, or even play video games, it brings you, it can have the potential to bring you closer together as you work towards a common goal. So uh, in our passage, we're going to see three characteristics of restoring brokenness together. Uh, that's the big, like Jake said, that's the big theme that unites Nehemiah, is restoring brokenness together. Even after the wall, that's what Nehemiah is working towards, restoring the brokenness of God's people and doing that as a community together. So first, before we read the, the scripture today, I want to give a quick recap because Nehemiah 3 wouldn't make sense without Nehemiah 1 and 2. Um, and so in Nehemiah 1, Nehemiah, he, he asked his brothers who came to visit him uh, 
how are our people doing now that there's a remnant, a, a, a small group of people back in our homeland in Jerusalem? They were, they, they were exiled. They were forced to leave their home country. And the, the city was just in ruins. And when Nehemiah heard that, Nehemiah was broken over the brokenness of God's people. And so as a result of Nehemiah's prayer, as a result of Nehemiah's fasting, God put it in his heart to ask the king, hey, who, who was Nehemiah's boss as a cupbearer, can I go back and help restore my, uh, God's people and, and this city? Um, and we saw last week, Nehemiah, I mean, he, he made mistakes early on, but that didn't disqualify him. Um, he rallied the people together, and, and at the end of Nehemiah 2, uh, the people said, we will rebuild this wall. We're, we're behind you. We see God's hand in this project, so uh, we're on board. And so that brings us to our passage today. So I'd encourage you to open a Bible. Uh, there's one in the pew in front of you. Um, open the Bible to Nehemiah chapter 3, because today uh, we're not going to we're going to cover the whole chapter, but I'm not going to read it all like normal. I'm just going to read the first five verses and then give you some time to scan the rest of the chapter. Uh, when I say scan, I mean like read really quickly. Um, I think you'll see why. Chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Then Eliashib, the high priest, arose with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it, and they hung its doors. They consecrated the wall to the Tower of the Hundred and the Tower of Hananel. Next to him, the men of Jericho built, and next to them, Zakur, the son of Imri, built. Now the sons of Hesanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. Next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, made repairs. And next to him, Meshulam the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezabel, Meshezabel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, the son of Banah, also made repairs. Moreover, next to him, the Tekoites made repairs, but their nobles did not support the work of their masters. Now go ahead and silently scan verse 6 through 32. Did you notice a pattern? Next to him, next to him, next to them. The pattern shows that the work on the wall, it was done by means of side-by-side -side laboring. Laboring together, side-by-side. -side. Each person had individual responsibility for section, but together their individual responsibility restored the brokenness. The, the brokenness of the wall was restored together. And that's the first characteristic 
that leads to the first characteristic that we'll see today of restoring brokenness together is that we all have a part to play. Together they restored brokenness and together, even now, we are called to restore brokenness. And, and I've pointed this out before, but Nehemiah is about much more than rebuilding a wall because the wall was done in chapter six and Nehemiah goes on for another seven chapters. So the brokenness that we're called to restore is the brokenness that only Jesus can restore. It's the brokenness of our sins separating us from a holy God. And then when we come to Christ, he restores us. We, we are, just like we, we sang, we're spotless, we're blameless before God because Christ has taken our place. But we also have this ongoing brokenness that we, we need to grow in faithfulness. We need to grow in Christ-likeness. And so that's, when I talk about restoring brokenness today, that's what I'm talking about. Both bringing people to faith, but also helping people grow in the faith and, and growing ourselves. Each of us has a part to play in restoring brokenness. They restored brokenness together. We are called to restore brokenness together. And as I reflected on that this week, I was just reminded of like the last 17 months as a church. I think, I mean, like, I, I want to commend you. I, don't, I don't, don't, don't hear me say like Orchard is the best, like, you know, we're better than all the other churches. That's not what I'm saying at all. All I, all I know, though, is what I've seen and what God has called me to, which is to be a part of this church. And I'm just incredibly proud and uh, I, I just love being your pastor if you're part of Orchard. Uh, it's just a great privilege and a great delight. And so here's just some, some of the things. There's, there's many, many more. But uh, in the last 17 months, we've seen God use us to restore brokenness together. We've seen people get connected to Jesus to start this relationship with him uh, who hadn't before. We've seen people who hadn't been connected to small groups or who hadn't served before start serving, start getting connected to small groups, start opening up their lives to other people. I mean, we're taking steps of obedience, whether it's baptism or even people moving. They've changed their physical address to, as a response to, to God's call. Um, we talked about last week that God's starting to answer our prayer to be a, a church that's sending missionaries out. Uh, it starts with one, and uh, that, that's just something that God is doing. Um, I've seen people help love each other uh, by helping out financially, like anonymous financial gifts to other people, uh, loving people just by bringing meals in, in times of transitions and in hard times, uh, even taking steps like, um, you know, signing up to clean the church, uh, uh, giving towards the church so that, w you know, we, we needed new roofs and we, we repaired those gutters that were, that were falling, um, our kids' ministries have multiplied. And this is all God's doing. The fact that right now, if you have kids and they're downstairs, uh, they're being loved on and pointed to Jesus by teachers who have gave up this Sunday morning experience to be down there with them. And, and God started a youth group in the last six months. And, and, and if you, all that to say, if you consider Orchard your church, you are a part. Even if you're not in helping with the youth, you're part of it. You're part of it. We're restoring brokenness together. You play your role. I play mine. Joshua plays his. Cheryl plays hers. We all play a part in what God is doing together. 
And so it's right. And, and I'm not, you know, we, it, can be, it can be used wrongly and say, well, let's compare ourselves to this other church. No, let's, let's just focus on obedience to Jesus. And if you're part of another church and you're here visiting today, I want you to have that sense of ownership wherever God's called you. You hear me? That makes sense? Okay. Because we, God is using us to restore brokenness together. Together. And so insofar as you are invested in your local church, insofar as you're invested in the community that God's calling you to put roots down, even if your roots like only last for the next six days, you know you're about to move out of state, like make those six days count. We're all pilgrims. We don't know how long we've got. But, but you have a hand in the success of your brother and sister making Christ known at their workplace, in their family, in as much as you're invested in them. In as much as you're in, invested in them. So, just like we saw in this chapter, uh, there was definition. There was definition to their work, right? That the Eliashib and the priests, they worked here, and the others, they worked there, and Emery, or I don't remember their names, they worked over there. Um, there was definition regarding their work, and that definition served to enhance the whole corporate effort. When you hear us say or give this Nehemiah invitation during announcements, that's just, that's just asking, hey, w- uh, would you ask God to you know, make sure that you are where uh, he wants you to be in terms of serving? Um, it's kind of weird to, to ask, but... Um, because uh, there's nothing currently wrong with the church. We're not understaffed here or there. But as a church, as we're going through Nehemiah, I was just struck by how powerful it is when God's people work together. And I, I just want there to be good definition. Uh, maybe we'll come out of Nehemiah and we'll have some, you know, some, some more workers in some different ministries. And maybe we won't. Uh, I, I don't have an agenda other than to ask the question, Jesus, you're the head of the church. Uh, uh, where would you like me to focus regarding my involvement um, here. And, uh, and, and I also, I also want to say that it's been encouraging for me to see at every step in our journey as a church together, God has provided just enough. Just enough finances, just enough small group leaders, just enough uh, sapling, our, our children's ministry workers and teachers, just enough guys in the sound booth, just enough guys to mow our yard, um, and so God, God will provide. And I also want you to know that uh, I'm committed to not doing more than we're able to do. Meaning, if you're currently working somewhere, I just want you to hear this, okay? If you're currently uh, serving in some capacity and you're like, I-, I can't vacuum every other week anymore or I can't help with the kids anymore uh, or I can't do a welcome team anymore, or do the sound and slides, uh, that's okay. Just tell me no. Make sense? <laughs> I can take that. Um, and we won't, do, we won't do it if we can't. The goal is knowing and loving God and making God's love known. All of these teams, all of this organization, it serves a, a bigger purpose. And if, uh, if it gets in the way of the bigger purpose of knowing and loving God and making God's love known, scratch it. If it's going to drain and deplete and burn people out, 
scratch it. So, because this is about so much more than accomplishing task, right? This is about fostering relationship with God, intimate, deep, sustainable, lifelong love for God and for God's people. It's about more than church. This is about experiencing God in all of life. So if we lose that vision, we're in trouble. <laughs> because no ministry, no work, it's, impor- it's not important enough in a vacuum. It, it all matters in relationship. So I said last week that your vision has got to be greater than getting the wall back up. Like Nehemiah, his, we see, we think in Nehemiah, like they, they restored the wall. They got the wall back up. But your vision has got to be greater than the task right in front of you. Because the story's not over when that task is finished. Our vision, our goal, it's got to be, it's got to be more than a project or a task. It's got to be tied into building relationship. And I do believe that all task that's worth doing, it can, it can be tied in our minds as we're vacuuming or cleaning bathrooms, whether it's at the church or at our homes, all task is tied to relationship. And all relationships involve tasks. <laughs> so, yeah, being a part of a local church, whether it's this one or another one, wherever God calls you, that's awesome. Uh, it, it, it involves playing our part, working together, not just getting stuff done, but realizing God is forming me. He's forming me through the process of the job that I'm currently in, the family situation I'm currently in. And that's, that's, his, that's his end for me, is to be conformed, made into the image of Christ, have the, have the character of Christ. So when we see in Nehemiah 3 that we all have a part to play, we, we shouldn't be surprised. We should be like, yeah, that's, that's really good. And I need Jake to play his part. You know, and I need, I need everyone to play their part next to me so that I can be encouraged. And, and so that when we go together, we'll go further. Because if you want to go far, you've got to go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. So that's, that's the first characteristic of restoring brokenness together. We all have a part to play. The second characteristic is kind of a reality check. Sometimes we won't play our part or... It, this is sometimes even harder. If you're playing your part, but the person next to you, it just doesn't seem like they're pulling their weight, right? You ever been in a group project? I'm sure if you've been in a group project, you know what I'm talking about. There's that, that guy, that gal who they just don't pull their weight, you know? They just, they'll show up to the meetings and say, oh yeah, I'll do that. Next meeting, it's not done. Well, we got that. In Nehemiah chapter 3, there's one, there's one exception to the pattern of next to them, next to them, next to them. They were all, seemed to be faithful service, but then here's the one exception. Verse 5, ne- and next to them, the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles did not put their necks to the work of the Lord. So, uh, Why? why they didn't put their necks to it, why they didn't stoop to serve like everyone else. We don't know exactly, but as I'm read, I'm struck by the mention of their nobility. And maybe, maybe it was like just a fear of failure, but maybe they just thought, I'm too good for that job. I'm too good to serve in that capacity. 
And I just want to point out, you know, what we should do when that, if, if, if that's us, we need to repent and, and serve because we all have a part to play. But if that's the person next to you, you, you know what you should do is act like the other Tekoites, the ones who were just, they weren't nobles. But verse 27, I want to highlight part of the scanned section here. Verse 27, after them, the Tekoites repaired another section in front of the great projecting tower and as far as the wall of Ophir. So what did they do? Well, they didn't moan or complain or gripe. They just kept going. That, that's what I see. That they, they, they took another section. They, kept, they stayed faithful even when their nobles weren't. The Tekoites repaired another section. And so... Servants serve. If, if, you, if you're committed to being a follower of Christ, you're called to serve. And uh, we're all, even if you're not a follower of Christ today, we're all serving someone. You can think about this week as you go from task to task to task. Who am I serving? What am I serving? To what end is this service? And, and I just want to say, God's not out to make your life miserable. In fact, he's out. He's this restorative process that we, that he leads us through together. He, he's he's actually rescuing you from misery. He's not out to make your life miserable. Jesus said, "Whoever wants to keep his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it." And as you're serving, and 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 maybe you feel like the people next to you uh, aren't pulling their weight. I think it's important to remember that we serve God. We love God because he first loved us. So we serve God because he first served us. All of our service, it's a response to his grace. And that leads us right into the third characteristic of restoring brokenness together. It's it's leadership. Specifically, how God is our leader and then all leadership flows from that. It comes from that. But I think leadership is absolutely key to restoring brokenness and doing it together. Leadership answers the question, so what? Where is this headed? To what end are we working? Who are we serving? Why are we serving? And where I get this from the text is that Nehemiah mentions Eliashib very first. Eliashib was the high priest. He was a, if not the, prominent leader in their society. And he mentions Eliashib, and then Eliashib's brothers, the priests, and then from there he mentions many other names. Which I think, honest, I think those other names are also leaders, leaders of groups. Because working on a construction project by yourself, you got to have other hands. But He's starting with a leader. And uh, I think, honestly, if, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're being conformed into the image of Christ, you're going to grow. Your, your leadership, you're, you're going to develop as a leader. Um, it might not be the way that the world looks at a leader or the way that you've always thought about a leader, but you're called to be an agent of change. And I believe you can be a leader that God, God's grace will change you more and more into leadership material. 
And Jesus, the ultimate leader, like any, any great leader, Jesus believes in you. And that sounded funny as I wrote it this week because we believe in Jesus. But his belief in us is, di- is, you know, is different. What I mean is Jesus has entrusted to us something incredibly valuable. He's entrusted to his people together. So don't worry, it's not just on you to carry this, but us together to restore brokenness, to carry out God's ministry here, to be his ambassadors here now. And, and you see that throughout the New Testament, but I just want to highlight John 14, which this morning as I was reviewing this, I was like, wow, that's quite a, quite a passage to end on. But if it, if it raises questions in your mind, just get answers to them. But I think this is a profound this is a profound illustration of how Jesus has entrusted us, his people, with something incredibly valuable. So here's John 14. He says, Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. He says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Did you catch that? Jesus said to his followers, Whoever believes in me, they'll not only do what I've been doing, but they'll do even greater things. And if that wasn't in the Bible, I'm sure personally I would label it heresy. <laughs> um, because it's, it's, it sounds absurd. Jesus, the man who walked on water, raised the dead, that they would do greater things than, than what he's done. But I, it's It's true. God has entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus' ministry is carried on now by his spirit through the church, through his people. And it's incredible. And it doesn't feel incredible all the time, but it's really profound. God has called us to restore brokenness together. And so... The, the short answer, if, you, if you're stuck on, well, how is that greater than, than what Jesus did? I think it just means greater in extent to, to reach the nations, to see the world uh, know and love Jesus, to, to offer this invitation to, to live in Jesus' kingdom. That, I think that's the, the best way to explain it. But today, I, I guess I wanted to throw that out there to marvel at. <laughs> and to, to call us up to, to, to keep us moving forward. This is what Jesus is entrusting to us. Jesus completes his ministry through his people. Until he comes back, he's, he's, he's discharged us with his ministry of reconciliation. And, and we have his spirit to lead us and to do it, and so we can. And, and, and we see the promise again that, that Jesus, he, he, he entrusts us with this, but, with us, but he's, he's, he's our leader, right? This, that, that's how it ties back into leadership. <laughs> Jesus is the, the true and better Eliashib, if you will. He is the great high priest that Nehemiah is trying to point to. He's the one who goes before you and behind you. And so when he promises, like he does in Matthew 28, to always be with you to the end of the age, that should give you great reassurance, great confidence that as you you step out in faith, 
and uh, do something, pray something, commit to something in Jesus' name, that he'll be with you. You're not called to be a leader on your own power, but on Jesus' power. So if you're a believer, you're called to side-by-side laboring with others. You're called to community. And I just want to summarize by saying it's a beautiful thing. It's a very messy thing. Because we all resemble the, no- the nobles of Tekoa at, time, at times. But, but Jesus is our hope. Jesus is the leader. Our leader together, and then your leader to, to carry out your individual responsibility. So what is he calling you to? That's a question we should keep asking him. Not because he's, he wasn't clear before, but because he's always calling us to himself. And he is our leader, so he's always, he, he always has authority to reassign our tasks because the tasks exist to serve his, his process of deepening our relationship with him. So let's spend a few minutes just talking with God. And feel free to ask that question. What are you calling me to, Jesus? And know that God's voice is, is loving. It's specific. Don't let the devil beat you up in this time. Commit to, talk to God, commit to laboring alongside others, to, to, to pursuing God in community, and keep, keep your focus on God's grace, because our commitment is a response to that. So if you commit and you mess up, God's grace covers it. If you commit and you fulfill it, God's grace inspires that.